Well, it's really good to be here with you today, uh, speaking from John chapter 6, which is a most remarkable chapter. If you have your Bible open, uh, you'll see back a page, John chapter 6 starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000. Then in the middle, Jesus declares in verse 35, uh, I am the bread of life. And then the chapter ends with those words of Simon Peter we just heard, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so this morning, I just want to unpack for us those words of Simon Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000, that was a good solution to the people's problem. The people were hungry, so he gave them something to eat. Uh, it's a good thing to do, to feed the hungry, to, to clothe the naked, to provide hospitality to the homeless. Those are good solutions to the problems of our world. And you know, our world has so many problems, doesn't it? And so today, when we think of a church's involvement in world mission, perhaps we think of those sorts of things. But having fed the people, Jesus went on to say, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And when he said that, he's pointing out that food alone is not enough. That he has just done one of the most amazing miracles in all history, and yet he says it wasn't good enough. That obviously food, water matter, but they're not sufficient. The crowd he's talking to, they don't agree. They say to Jesus, verse 31, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. Uh, they're remembering the time after the exodus from Egypt when God provided food for them day after day. And they are saying, that's enough. Food is enough. But Jesus says to them, well, no, you've missed the point. Verse 49, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Even God himself giving food each day is not sufficient. Jesus is saying that we have a bigger problem than bread can satisfy. He's saying human beings, we need more than that. People need the bread of life. So he said, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. People need more than relief work. Sadly, in this world, relief work is very often necessary, but it's never sufficient. People need something more. Now, remember, when the people were hungry, Jesus provided food. We, we must never say that because some needs are not sort of spiritual, that they don't matter. No, they do matter. Jesus fed those people. But Jesus' ministry was about far more than that. He was concerned about our deepest hunger, our, our deepest thirst, about our need for life. Life in all its richness now. Life in all its fullness forever. Like eternal life. And that's what Simon Peter realised. He said he wouldn't leave Jesus because, verse 68, you have the words of eternal life. Words that sustain us, not just for one day, but every day. Not just for now, but for the whole of our lives. Not just in this creation, but forever in the new creation that's coming. Because we have problems that the supermarkets can't help with and a brokenness that the hospitals can't fix. 
And it's not that supermarkets and hospitals are bad. No, 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 supermarkets, hospitals, good. But we need something more. The things that we struggle with are not going to be solved until the underlying issue of our spiritual brokenness is addressed. We need deep inner healing. We need to be made new. So we need the words of eternal life that will change us from within. We need this long-term solution to our deepest needs. And not just us, but our world too. And those words that change lives are found in Jesus, who gave his life so we can live, like truly live. So that when we think about world mission on a, on a day like today, well, as a church involved in mission, how do we make this available? It's important to realize that the hope the Bible offers is found in a person, in Jesus, not in an ideology. There isn't a program for us to roll out. But Jesus himself is the solution. He said, I am the bread of life. So the disciples don't ask, to which other philosophy can we turn? But to whom shall we go? Who else can we go to? The answer to these deep needs we have is found in Jesus himself, in knowing Jesus, not in some clever plan of action. Uh, we, we tend to think that if we follow the right steps, if we figure out the right strategy, the right manifesto, uh, we can work out how to make the world a better place. But the Bible insists that isn't the case. Yes, the world gives us many good and helpful ideas and practical steps uh, that we, we could take to, to help those in need. And maybe we should be doing some of those things more than we're doing. But they're not enough. They're not sufficient. The solution our world needs is in a person, not our good works. Jesus himself is the answer to our deepest needs. Jesus himself is the solution to our world's greatest problems. Because Jesus, people need Jesus, this creates a degree of urgency. I mean, think about it. If the solution we need is a person, then it is a unique solution. If it's Jesus, it therefore isn't anyone else. Jesus is kind of saying, unless you feed on me the bread of life, then you can't have life. In fact, he says that explicitly, verse 53, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. He's not talking about eating with our mouths, you know. He's talking about feeding on him with our, with our minds, feeding in our hearts, feeding on him. And that's, that's why in, in our Bible reading, when the crowd who'd started following Jesus heard this, they said, verse 60, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They don't mean hard to understand. They're not asking Jesus, could you just please run that past me again? I don't think I got that the first time. No, they mean, this is outrageous. This is intolerable. That's what they're saying. This is an offensive message. It is offensive in our world to say that only Jesus can meet our deepest needs. And so it was in their day too. Verse 66, from this time on, many of his disciples, this large group of followers, turned back and no longer followed him. His follower count went right down that day. Many turned their backs on him and walked away. And yet, Simon Peter and the twelve do not leave. Jesus gives them that choice. Verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? 
But Simon Peter, speaking for the group, says, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? That is, who else would we go to? Who else is there? Reading on, Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to know, to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow. That's an incredible statement, isn't it? That Jesus is not just a prophet, not even simply the Messiah, and that would be awesome, but more than that, that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And if that is who he is, then plainly no one else can compare to him. If God himself has come down to earth, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then of course he alone has the words of eternal life. I mean, like, how else could it be? Rather than take offence at this, this should cause our hearts to leap for joy. Like, finally, the solution to our deepest problems and our world's greatest needs, it's, it's arrived. And hey, look, folks, it's not a complicated solution that you need a degree to understand. It's not like it comes with lots of regulations or anything. It doesn't need a committee to organise it. It is a person who has come to us who we can know for ourselves and who freely offers to just give us life. This then is the critical understanding which shapes our engagement in world mission, whether we're talking about London or the UK or around the globe. So often, you know, when we think about world needs, you like this, I can be like this. So often when we think about world needs, we focus on what's on the news, and, and we watch the news and we see many important things that, that we could and should be doing, you know, helping those in need and, and so on. But valuable as that is, it's not enough. We must not forget what the news is not telling us, that people need more than that. People need to never go hungry. People need to never be thirsty. People need to find the bread of life. And so that means... That there is today a priority, a priority in mission, given very real world needs, there is a priority around making Jesus known, introducing people to him so they can find life in his name, helping people to know Jesus better so they can enjoy the help he brings. How, how do we do that? Like, like practically speaking, how do we help people discover Jesus for the first time or to grow to know him better day by day? Well, the answer here, uh, consistent with the New Testament, is that the Holy Spirit enables people to know Jesus through his words. Jesus has already said in our reading in verse 63 that the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. And Simon Peter gets it. He replies to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life, not just words about eternal life, not just words that describe a good philosophy of life, but actual spirit-filled, life-giving words. So that when we read the Bible, the word of God, we meet a person, Jesus, and can find life in him. These words are powerful. God is speaking through them. 
These words bring life to us as we listen to them, as we ponder them, as we discuss them together, as we accept them and believe them, as we take them to heart to build our lives upon them, as we, as we live according to them and put them into practice. These are life-changing, life-giving words. I don't know if any of you have like favorite Bible verses. Maybe like from Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, or, or Matthew 11:28, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest, or Romans 8:39, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Do you have a favorite verse? Like, why is it that verses like these are so precious to us? Because we know that verses like these are not simply head knowledge, they're not just information, they warm our hearts because they are relational. Because we hear God speaking to us through his word, words of assurance, we hear his voice. In God's word, we meet God himself. We hear him. And if we understand this, if we realize that the word of God is life-giving, then we will see that there is an inherent priority a necessity, and even an urgency around taking the words of Jesus to other people. Like if, if, if we have come to believe and know that Jesus is the Holy One of God, whose words are the words of eternal life, well, I mean, like, surely the next step is to tell people those words, isn't it? I mean, we can hardly keep it to ourselves, can we? I mean, that would be heartless. I mean, if you care about anyone surely the next thing to do is to share this with them. Our lives and the lives of our churches, locally, nationally, internationally to engage in mission, they should be orientated around making Jesus known by making his word known. We should make the word of God more available to people, more accessible to people, so that everyone can know Jesus, so everyone can feed on him the bread of life. Jesus is alive today, drawing people to himself from every tribe and language and people and nation. So therefore, we make his word available to all peoples from every tribe and language and people and nation so that anyone, anywhere, can come to know him and grow in relationship with him. I don't know if you've ever particularly thought about why we have the Bible available to us uh, in English, because uh, for a long time, only uh, like a thousand years, over a thousand years, it was only available in Latin. Um, how did we get it into English? I mentioned earlier, 700th anniversary of the birth of John Wycliffe. Around 650 years ago, um, he said about translating the Bible for us, which was absolutely revolutionary at the time. Why did he do it? Well, he said, okay, this is a long time ago, so slightly old English, got to concentrate a little bit. Uh, John Wycliffe said, seeing as the Bible contains Christ, that is all that is necessary for salvation, it is necessary for all men. So, so he said that in the Bible we meet Jesus, and so the Bible is vital for people to be saved, and so the Bible is necessary for everyone. Everyone must have it. We've got to make it available, he said. But if the Bible is for everyone, having it only in Latin was a problem. 
He said, again, uh, slightly old English, let me quote him, but you've got to concentrate. He said, Christ and his apostles taught the people in the language best known to them. Therefore, the doctrine or the message should not only be in Latin, but in the common tongue, yeah, English. He's saying Jesus and the apostles didn't go around talking a language no one understood. They used people's own language, and therefore so should we. The scriptures should be translated into people's languages so people can understand the message. So with a team, he set about translating the Bible. He said this, he said, The laity, that is every Christian, not just the priests, ought to understand the faith, and as the doctrines of our faith are in the scriptures, believers should have the scriptures in a language they fully understand. That's why we have the Bible today in English. That, that translation was so controversial that a law was passed to make it illegal to translate the Bible into English. But copies of his translation were spread, all written out by hand, a lot of work to do it, uh, and groups sprung up discovering God's word. And later, when uh, printing was invented, uh, William Tyndale started a new translation 500 years ago because he realized that the truth of the gospel needed to be accessible to the people. He said he translated for the plowboy, that is, the person with little education, because the words of eternal life are for everyone, not just the elite. And because at this time it was still now illegal to do the translation into English, uh, he was persecuted. And that's what it took. People suffered significantly to get us the Bible in English. Tyndale was killed for it in the end. Uh, Wycliffe's body, they dug it up and burned it to punish him even after he died. Why did they give their lives for us? They did it because the words of Jesus are the words of eternal life. They did it because in the Bible, God himself is speaking to us. Because in the Bible, we meet Jesus, the bread of life. And that as we feed on his words, so we come to feed on him. And it's because of them that a church like all souls can exist today. Because under God, Wycliffe and Tyndale made Bibles available to us. And having Bibles available then means church leaders could be trained to preach from it and, and so on. Everything starts to grow. And that confidence which they had in the Bible is the confidence that we should have today and is the confidence we should have for our world. I said earlier that, uh, that globally, around one in five people do not uh, have the Bible available to them in their language. It's a tremendous injustice, whichever way you look at it. I, I think it can't be right. That if those words are the words of eternal life through which we meet Jesus, then, then surely we must feel some obligation on us, we who have the Bible in our language, to make it available to all peoples in their languages so that they too can hear God speak to them and know Jesus in their own language, just as John Wycliffe and William Tyndale did for us and for other languages we've been hearing about uh, has been done for them. I mean, like, why should we have it and not them? And, and we heard earlier from Nicholas uh, and Amanda about upcoming work in, in the context that they'll, they'll, they'll be working in, which is actually tremendously exciting because when the Bible becomes available in those sensitive uh, locations, that's when underground churches start forming uh, with new believers reaching out to those around them. Uh, underground churches start planting more churches, and that's when world mission really takes off. World mission is, is not just about churches like this sending people around the world. World mission is about all churches everywhere participating together in proclaiming Jesus, the bread of life, whose words bring eternal life. 
Don't misunderstand me. That's not just proclamation only, as if people's physical needs don't matter. I mean, this church rightly supports many other activities to show the love of God in practical ways. But we must never lose sight of the priority, the necessity, the urgency of taking the words of Jesus to other people. By the way, actually, and not not many people know this, but Tyndale's translation was only possible because of a guy called Humphrey Monmouth. Uh, Monmouth wasn't a translator, uh, but he sponsored Tyndale to do the translation. Tyndale was in hiding, and Monmouth sent the money to pay for him, to keep him going, so he could translate. And it's the same today. The wealth that we have here can be used to support and sponsor mission workers around the world who need financial support. And when churches like this and Christians like us partner with the translation teams or church planting teams or or, or whatever it is, together with our support, they can make much more rapid progress with translating God's word for people or training people how to proclaim it faithfully or whatever they're doing. Not, Not just Bible translation, church planting, but all the ministries of making God's word known, proclaiming Jesus. And as God's word becomes available even to ordinary people, and as church leaders increasingly start to use the Bible in their preaching and ministry, You see Christians growing stronger in their faith, knowing Jesus better. You see people in wider society being introduced to Jesus for the first time. They too can discover that the words of Jesus bring eternal life as they take them to heart. They too can come to know and believe that in Jesus, God is for them, not against them. That Jesus is the answer to their hunger and thirst. I know that as a church, uh, you support uh, a number of activities around the world, and, and individually, b- b- between you, you, you support many more uh, to meet a whole variety of needs. And this morning, I want to encourage you in them. And I want to ask you to prioritize this crucial need of giving people the words of Jesus, and to make this possible by making it one of the primary causes that you support Studies of the donations of evangelical Christians show that we tend to give far more, twice as much, to overseas relief and development as we do to spreading the word of God and the good news of Jesus. Friends, that can't be right. I mean, apart from anything else, it creates a long-term dependency on Western donors, whereas focusing on church growth develops the local capacity to meet local needs. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying those things are wrong. Of course not. Jesus fed the 5,000, remember? But I'm saying our priorities should be shaping our giving. If we believe that the words of Jesus are words of eternal life, then let's put our money where our faith is and get serious about giving to enable the causes that matter the most. There'll be many different things that we're all involved in. Good things. But whatever we're doing, let's prioritize Bible-based ministries, evangelism, discipleship, training, and Bible availability ministries, Bible translation, distribution, because those are the things that have the largest impact. Because as Simon Peter said, to who else are people going to go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. So let's help people discover those words. Today, All over the world, people are crying out for their solutions to their problems. And what they all have in common 
is that Jesus offers a real answer in himself. And as believers, our challenge, our responsibility, indeed our great privilege is to spread this good news, to make God's word accessible so that more and more people can enter and enjoy the eternal life Jesus longs to give. We can do that by praying for world mission. There's information about the church's mission partners on the Connect desk, on the OMF desk over there. I saw they've got a helpful booklet, How to Pray for Missionaries, on the Wycliffe Bible Translators desk over there. They've got a prayer diary with helpful prayer points. You can pray for world mission. Uh, some of us here today maybe should do that by joining a mission organization. Feel free to talk to me afterwards or, or to Tasha. And particularly this morning, I want to ask that we support world mission with our money too. And you saw that on the website, there's an opportunity to do that today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this clear word from Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. And this recognition from Simon Peter that you alone have the words of eternal life. We ask that you'd grow our confidence in Jesus and in his word, that you'd increase our opportunities to make his word known, that more and more people might find life in him. Please use our lives, our prayers, and our money for that great purpose. Amen.